In this episode of the Working Mama podcast, I chat with Fiona Willem on the future of work and its impacts and opportunities for working mums, and also chat about flexible work and what it's going to look like in the future and how we can make it work best. Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real world tips, tricks and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. Hey mamas, welcome back to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. I hope you're going well. This has been recorded at the start of term four, so I hope kids are settling back into remote learning and not long, fingers crossed, until everyone's back in the classroom. I know it's really a big juggle for everyone at the moment, so I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that and also just give a shout out and say, you're doing amazing. And I know also with people at home with kids that I know we go to childcare, particularly if you're in Melbourne, it is a struggle and it's a juggle. But also I've got some resources on the Instagram page, so if you're wondering some hints and tips, check out the stories. Also did a profile last week with a range of different speakers. So check those out. Also in this episode, I chatted with Fiona Willem, who is an innovation coach for KPMG's Australian Management Division. And she works on developing new ideas and concepts using design thinking. But she's also been an advocate for parents and diversity and inclusion at work, founding the PwC Parents Group back in 2018 to normalise male parental leave to support gender balance in our workplace. She's now a KPMG and also part of the working group for family-friendly workplaces. So as you can see, Fiona and I are very aligned and have got a very similar outlook on being able to manage the juggle of both career and also being a working mum. On the side, she's also the co-founder of Future of Work employee support platform 3.2, which works with employers to provide compliant workspaces to support employees to work from anywhere. Think about it as like the Airbnb, but for office space. I really enjoyed this chat with Fiona. She's got so much knowledge and experience, not only from her own experiences of working mum, but also what she sees in innovative organisations and working in a whole range of different workplaces. So I really enjoy this chat and I hope you do too. Welcome Fiona, welcome to the Working Mama podcast. How's your day going so far? Oh, thanks so much, Karina. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to getting out of lockdown, let's put it that way. So just for those, we are recording this in the second week of lockdown. So hopefully, yeah, restrictions are being eased tomorrow, but who knows what the journey is out of that. But I think it's lockdown life in Melbourne. So, And Fiona has done a very good job of actually homeschooling as well. Yeah, that, it's always a little tough trying to juggle, you know, the, the juggle's always real, isn't it, in terms of doing everything, you know, in lockdown. It's, it's homeschooling, it's cleaning, it's working, yeah, and trying to maintain some kind of peace in your family because you're all bit on top of each other. Yeah, the mental load definitely, I think, in lockdown increases astronomically, but so well done in homeschooling and I bet you can't wait for Monday to hit when uh, kids go back to school. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> So Fiona, do you want to just tell us a little about yourself and how would you best describe you? Well, so I've really come from a really interesting array of of back of back by way of background. So I used to work when I first started out in the industry as an art director. So I worked on like branding and um, you know, in, in the advertising industry. And then back when I moved back from London to Melbourne. I was working in an advertising agency and I just, I was working with, with PwC as a client 
And I was finding it really fascinating. And they eventually said to me, look, come and have a chat with us. And I, I took a job at PwC as something called the digital demand driver. So that was my kind of introduction to professional services. And I just found my place. And so it was just all about disruption and the forces that are shaping the future of work and shaping the future of healthcare and education. So yeah, it just really got me going. I'm super curious. And so, yeah, that, that really, that really floated my boat. Oh, that sounds exciting. And so today you're going to talk about the future of work. And as you said, you really got that inquisitive mind uh, set and everything like that. So you're doing some work at the moment as well around how the future of work is actually changing. And this is a term that I know personally, I've been around, heard for a number of years, but what do we mean by the future of work? Just so we've got a level playing field before we start. Well, you're absolutely right. It is kind of a broad term, but really what it's about is these forces of change that are affecting these kind of three different dimensions of work. So the work itself. So what do we do? who does the work and where the work's done. So obviously in COVID, we've created, we've had this situation that's really put all these forces under a massive amount of pressure. And we kind of have to think about how we're going to handle these things. And, you know, and I I really, I kind of stress to people too, they're like, oh, future of work is this in like a new thing. And I'm like, no, we've had, you know, different models and things since like, say, 1896, where we moved from cottage industry to where we lived on farms to where we had the Industrial Revolution, we moved to factories. So that's actually when things like the nine to five started. It's when the school system started. So if you look at those times of disruption, even in previous pandemics where you've had things like Spanish flu, that's where the forces of change, I guess, under those dimensions of work, those three different areas have come under pressure. So yeah, that's, um, it's not really a new thing. Yeah, no, it certainly isn't. And we always think about the nine to five and it was something that Henry Ford actually came up with back almost a hundred years ago. So we talk about how these forces of change around work, who and where, what have we seen with COVID that has really then affected these? And obviously something, because future of work we've talked about for say the last 10 years about more flexible work, but COVID has really been that disruptor and actually jolting many organisations and also people's mindsets as well around the future of work. And what's been your take? You know, it's funny because, you know, up to sort of five, six years ago, we were, I think, already having these conversations at PwC and especially around even in consulting because that was being, it has been and is being still disrupted. So I think there seems to be kind of two sort of schools of thought emerging. And I think this is the way that it always tends to go, which is like stick with what we know, everybody back in the office with like a little bit of like maybe token flexibility or you're at the other end of it where you're recognizing that, hang on a minute, we're at Lassian or we're Salesforce. We don't need all of this commercial office space. We've listened to what people want and everybody works remotely. Unfortunately, I don't think that either approach has the answer because this is all still emerging. But I think the way that this has turned, and I think we're seeing it now where a talent war is starting, is that the employer doesn't have the power anymore. This is absolutely an employee's market. And I think that there's a lot of people out there at the moment looking for talent. And so when you think about what what strategies you might want to put in place, it absolutely has to be employee centric. So PwC did a great job of that when I was there. 
and they really made it a campaign and they talked about, they used the data to support, I guess, the framework that they built. So, I mean, it's about experimenting, testing and learning. And I think we've got to be brave enough to actually experiment with this and look at the data. You've got to listen to understand and then build something, not be like, hey, we're closing the office. Good luck to you. Because, you know, there is a bit of resentment building too about some employers not supporting financially. I mean, we all know we've all got much higher power bills. We've got things that we're we're having to do, heating and cooling. I mean, it, it does have a financial effect on us, even though we're not commuting. So yeah, it's it's very much around. Yeah, expenses in different ways, and also what you would expect. Oh, it's nice working from home, but it's not a one size fits all approach either. And certainly, that's where some of that flexibility comes into it. You don't have to be in the office that nine till five, be seen at your desk slogging it out. Because at home, yeah, it's all right to put the load of washing on at lunchtime. You know, that, that's no problems at all. But it's, I know some managers as well, I've heard the experience of a new manager coming in, the organisation from a top-down perspective was, that, yep, we're very supportive of you working from home. But for this, this team, the manager came in and he's like, no, I really want you in the office because he wanted to micromanage. He didn't know his team. And so even though the organisation's saying one thing, sometimes other managers are actually doing another as well. So it's, um, yeah, definitely you've got your sales force down one end and you've got the probably your old school thinking down the other. So it's uh, definitely, I think, a war for talent out there is what you say. So really mm, making... Absolutely. I mean, I think yeah. if people are going to, if you say everybody back to the office and you and you mandate these things, you're going to find yourself dealing with people who are voting with their feet. And I am, I'm going to be honest, I'm seeing it already very blatantly where people are, are not even are saying I don't I don't even want to work out my notice because if you want me back in the office that doesn't work for me and doesn't work for me and my family as well that's another aspect of it people's people have become closer to their families and things and this and they don't there's things that post-covid they won't give up that are absolute deal breakers for them and are you seeing it when we're talking about families? Because often workplace flexibility, traditionally people are like, oh, well, that's going to be just for more mothers. But also I'd say through COVID, it's also for the fathers and both parents as well about having that flexibility because one advantage of COVID I know from a personal experience is that my husband spent more time with our kids than what he would have otherwise. And I know other dads are actually feeling the same way. Absolutely. And I think that's where we come back to the whole thing around, you know, how are these how are we going to get gender equity? I, mean, I think this has come up a lot more. We've noticed that, you know, women shouldering a hell of a lot of the, the load and lockdown, you know, who's going to do the cleaning? Who's going to do the homeschooling? And there's a lot of defaulting on like, you're the mum, off you do, off you go and do the, the homeschool. You'll pick that up. You'll be the primary breadwinner. You'll do the homeschool. You'll do all the meals, right? Because you're still, as you're not packing a lunch, but you're still having to make something. Or still you lunch at home. Turn a bit feral. Yeah, that's right. And so you've still got to somehow fit all these things in, you know, while probably being on a call and doing, you know, the putting on that load of washing you were talking about, because we know we're all doing that. But yeah, I think that the, the whole gender equity conversation has absolutely come to the fore. And, you know, for me, my husband works in government and so is seen as an essential worker. And then they don't have like a lot of flexibility. So then that the even more of the load in terms of the home stuff falls back on me. So yeah, I would say that even though he's an incredibly supportive partner, it's like the lack of flexibility around that does make it a bit unfair, to be honest. 
So when you look at things like, you know, gender equity and things, this is, again, not one of those conversations that's a new thing. It's just been forced to the forefront because people have been under pressure. When I think back to, again, my time running a parents group in a consulting firm, really trying to normalize that males taking parental leave, like was really hard. Like they would come to me and say things like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about taking, we're allowed this three months or whatever off under this new policy. Do you think I should do it? Is it career suicide? And I really had to bite my tongue on a few occasions, just be like, yeah, your partner's taken a year off because she maybe had a different difficult pregnancy and like she didn't have the choices around that you've got a choice here to lead and to and to normalize this conversation are you again are you brave enough to actually do it to be the to kind of break the ice I guess on this conversation and and again like what you were saying about in one team it's one rule and then you've got these silos of other teams with more old school leaders and I think there's a lot of conversations that need to go on a lot of coaching in terms of leadership to normalize this. And if you are, you know, in previous jobs, you know, partners in, in the firm were absolutely leading in this way. They wanted to build those relationships with their children and to support their partner to go back to work. And that's when they normally chose to take it. But if you can't see it, you can't be it type thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's just about normalizing that conversation. Yeah. And it's also that really goes into what we're talking about today is around that future of work, that it's, it's not, males or females but it's actually the workforce together you know it is taking on parental leave and that carer's leave and and really changing that mindset as well around what that future of work looks like and it's it's not one dimensional it's it's going to be different for everyone but there's certainly lots of opportunities about how we can really support parents and also sharing that mental load and on having that gender diversity of what you talk about yeah, and I really think I think you're absolutely right there. It is the that's the that's the word is this is a huge opportunity, a massive opportunity to reimagine what workplaces can be. And if you're gonna go back to the status quo and you're gonna get everybody back into the office, look, there's a place for the office and it's absolutely important to collaborate and connect at a human level. I mean, heaven knows I that's the one thing I'm missing terribly. I love networking, I love, you know, catching up with people, I love collaborating and, and working in teams. But I, I think that if if you're not prepared to kind of push the boat out to try something new, you're gonna miss a trick. It's a huge opportunity to really reimagine what this can be. And so what do we also see as some other opportunities for change around the future of work? So we're talking about flexibility, but are there some other components that we need to also consider as well? So what I'm seeing at the moment is there's kind of two emerging schools of thought, as I said before, it's like the more the status quo type of thinkers, you know, the, oh, we've got all of this, you know, like when you, when you think about it and you say it out loud, it actually is, is very company centric, like in terms of employers, because they're like, oh, I've, I've paid all this money for a commercial space, you know, and now I need everybody back in the office. It's like, well, that's not what they want. That's almost like trying to build a product and then saying, everybody, you want this. But I think that there's absolutely somewhere, something around employee or customer fit. And so thinking about what do we use the office for? How can we make the office more appealing for the needs of our employees. It's a completely different conversation. It's a lot more empathic. And I think we've got to walk in the shoes of our employees too and and ask them not just what they want. I mean, you know, it's more than that. It's about thinking about what do we want, you know, as a North Star of our organization and how, what are the steps that we need to do to create that? And then the new school thinkers, which are, you know, 
trying to sort of reimagine things like the Atlassians and the Salesforces have got a lot more extreme reaction to, to what this has been. But in the middle is the support function. And I don't, it doesn't really matter which one you've decided to go with, but if you're not providing, for example, the opportunity for people, if you're saying to people, yeah, you can work flexibly and come into the office sometimes, you need to think about what happens if working from home is what they want to do, but it's actually really difficult for them. So what if you've got, I don't know, a new baby? What if you've had to move back with your parents as a result of COVID and there's, a, there's, there's more than those of those people than you think? And the average age of people, say, at KPMG is like 27. So I'm imagining that affects quite a few of those people at sort of senior con and manager level. And also, you know, people with flatmates, you know, it doesn't really work if you're all working around the kitchen table trying to shout over each other on a Zoom call, you know, like, or, you know, you're like me where this is my spare bedroom, you know, and my husband and I fight over who gets to have the room that we close the door. Like, we don't have huge houses. And if you can't afford to move, although a lot of people have moved to rural areas, then it becomes a problem. So what's the support function around that? What is, what is it that you need to build as a platform to have this conversation with your employees? And what do you need to do to your office to make it an appealing place to go? So there's quite a lot of work and, and strategic work to be done, but also a lot of research, I think, and experimentation that needs to happen. Yeah. And so with all this change, so there's definitely a lot from an organisational perspective of thinking about how they want it to work and, and things like that. What can you do from an employee perspective to either influence that change or help you have the work set up that you want? Because it's also, I think, as well, reflecting on the way that you want to work and actually going, oh, maybe you do want to be in the office, maybe you don't. And I know that I really enjoyed working from home particularly last year. And I thought, oh, this is great. And it wasn't until I went into the office at the start of this year, did I realize how much I missed it, that I met people literally for the first time. I'd got to know them on Teams messages and phone calls and things like that. But actually meeting them face to face, it was actually a pure joy and excitement. We were like two high school girls going, oh, wow. You know, and this person was, you know, a lot older than me, but we'd got to know each other on Zoom, oh, sorry, for Teams. So for me, it made me really reevaluate what I wanted and needed as an employee to go, yes, I love working from home and I hate the commute. I think that's the element that we all dislike, but I actually enjoyed that interaction with people. So, and it wasn't until I'd had experienced that and reflected on, oh, this is what I want. So is it also from an employee perspective, it's not about the organisations setting the frameworks, I'd say like the tram tracks, but it's all, what can employees do then to work out what is it that they want because then they can then go ask for it from their employers. And, and it kind of it makes me think about there's almost like an employee revolution going on. Like what's to stop you in your workplace getting a whole lot of people together and, and having a, almost a thought leadership group or a working group around what do we want? Because I don't know, sometimes, you know, people in leadership positions have maybe got, you know, more on their plate than they'd like to admit in terms of, you know, the changing landscape, which is pretty constant right now. Like, what's to stop you being a change agent and um, suggesting some things? I mean, it's because it's tough sometimes to think outside the box. And, you know, this is it's obviously my job as a, as a kind of an innovation coach, but 
I know I've watched people just become totally convergent in their thinking. And I'm like, we just need to diverge here for a minute. What are all the things? And of all those things, what are the things we're going to do? And what are we not going to do? So, you know, there's a whole, you're right. The whole, the whole thing about the novelty of working from home, it seems fantastic at first in theory, and then you do it and you do it for a while. And then you're like, you're back into the office and you see a different perspective and it helps you to, to think differently. It gives you different, even like physical reactions. I found like, I was like, wow, this person that I have only known in a zoom call. Cause I changed teams when, I, when I've changed teams a couple of times in COVID, which has been really, you know, you've got to reconnect with people. And so you've really got to build those relationships. When you make them in person, they're like, you know, a foot taller than you thought that yes, they would be. Yes, I had exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's really confronting too. It's almost like, sensory overload like at the end of the day after working in the office with like real people you become really tired because you've been like you've had to sort of worry a bit more about like what your expressions are it's not that you can stand there and turn your camera off (laughs) yep yep so yeah it can be quite confronting and I think this is another thing around against this huge opportunity to really focus in on people who are um, introverts like you know, there's people that are not wanting to even turn their camera on in my in my daughter's classroom. And I, I know that I noticed that there's a few people that are the same in the workplace too, where they don't want to sort of always turn their camera on. So yeah, mm. it's interesting. So how do you how do you include them? Yeah. Are there any tools and tips that you could do from an individual perspective to take a step back and reflect on what's work set up that you would like going forward? just to sort of have that line in the sand rather than just sort of being on that treadmill of work, but just to stop and reflect and say a couple of questions to ask yourself about your work setup and how you want to work flexibly and boundaries and things like that. While work is a huge part of our, our lives, I'm a real fan of, I worked with a coach a little while ago and a real fan of this whole thing of like wheel of life. You can do like these kind of online things where you can look at all aspects of your life. And, but if you do look at your work life and think, what are the things that are really, you know, it's a bit of a SWOT analysis, right? You know, what, what, what do I want to stop, start, continue? What is working? What's not working and why? And I guess to break down the things that are not working and think, okay, instead of, I guess, trying to create a bit of a tough job for yourself, because you might be like, well, I've decided that I want a flexible work and you're working for a, I don't know, um, very old school employer who's never going to take that on. I would suggest to give them the opportunity and to have that conversation. And to, I think that what gets hard is when there's no change agents within those organisations or there's no kind of top-down strategy or person who's been hired to you know work on that stuff and so it can be like you feel you can feel incredibly isolated and it can be very stressful so I would suggest giving them the opportunity to kind of have the conversation but then be honest about the fact that this is a bit of a deal breaker for you and I don't think it's about blackmailing anybody and say oh I'm going to leave if I don't get this but I think you need to sort of consider if things are a deal breaker especially from a family perspective there's no reason putting, it's not just yourself going through the agony then, because we all know what it's like if your partner, you know, has had a trouble at work and they're, they're stressed out by it. You obviously become the comforter for that. Or if your child's having a, a tough time at school, then it, it has a knock-on effect to your whole family. So I think it's, it's about looking holistically about what are your deal breakers? What are your values? There's a huge amount of roles open at the moment. Maybe now is the time to think about taking a career shift 
I mean, we know with women, there's a huge amount of women leaving the workforce at the moment. And it's a, some of us have got like sort of PTSD from all these lockdowns and probably have built different relationships with our families. As you said, your husband has spent more time with your little boy and you just think, I don't want to give that up now. I think people have got, there's been a, a, a time of reflection I think you're, yeah, I think you're right with the non-negotiables and, and certainly it's, it's, as you say, it's the war for talent. It's the organisations that are moving and taking those steps forward into more flexible work practices that are more family friendly, as opposed to being stuck, I'd say in the pre-COVID mindset and not thinking that people can work flexibly and also then achieve outcomes as well that you don't, and actually then making it you know, as you say, it's the wheel of life and what works for you is so important. I often say that it's, you know, we've only got one life and most will make the best of it. And we spend too much time at work to actually not have fun and enjoy what we're doing. Because if we're not enjoying what we're doing, then that, as you say, that then has a ripple effect onto the rest of our family. And yeah, it's not good. Well, if you haven't, you've got to read that book called um, Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. It's absolutely amazing because nobody on their deathbed was going, gosh, I wish I'd gone into the office and worked more. Like yeah. not one person <laughs> who's, who's uh, you know, terminal with cancer or whatever. And she's a palliative care nurse who did this um, the, these coll- this collection of stories about what these people's, and then it's kind of summarises, what do people actually care about the, at the end of life? It certainly wasn't. I wish I'd thrown myself under the bus for that employer who didn't no. want to do flexible working. You, you don't write on your gravestone or you, people don't say at your funeral, oh, wow, it's so good they slogged them out for 60 to 80 <laughs> hours a week. You don't even reference that. So, yeah, yeah it makes well, you also re-eval- re-evaluate what's important to you. And I think some sometimes such as lockdowns and, and COVID does give you those opportunities to really reflect on what's important. Oh, it definitely does. Absolutely. And I know that one thing as well that has come out of COVID, but also working from home is that balance that, and those lines are really blurred between work and family and homeschooling and all the other hats. But we said that definitely women are taking on, but I know also men at the same and fathers at the same time. What have you seen and experienced and what advice do you have around this? Oh, I think there's such a, I don't know, like I, I just think that we have connected so much more as families over this time. And I think that, you know, knowing, I guess what I know now, would I like, would I go back to the old world? And I think this is the whole thing about, you know, the genie has come out of the bottle on on flexible working and it doesn't want to go back in, right? So we don't all want to be getting in our cars, shunting our kids off to childcare just so we can rush to the office. You think how much we were rushing before. I think this is the reason why people are so resistant and there has been a thematic, I guess, identification of you know people's sentiment around this and it's called failure to return and I think the failure return to return is not necessarily about going back to the office it's about we don't want to go back to how crazy busy we were with trying to shoehorn all of the stuff in so again we've got to think again about almost like it's not that and it's it's not this it's not you know lockdown and staying in this it's what is the new normal so it's again it's this kind of creation of our own new reality right and we've got to be able to try to sort of you know think about what those what those things are that we want to focus on as you say end of life what are the things that you actually wanted to achieve rather than slogging it out for all those hours so just on that to do that reflection just so there's also something actionable that people could do after this podcast is it something that they would then say sit down for 
a quiet period of time or just when it comes into their mind and just that quiet bit of reflection just to sit down and think or even ask themselves the question what is important to me what have I enjoyed maybe about COVID and working flexibly what haven't I enjoyed and then crafting the life and also those boundaries and the balance between those yeah and I think there is a space in between that too like what have I enjoyed what have I not enjoyed what am I going to stop start continue that's the the framework that works really well for me is and and also maybe I'm looking a little bit further into the future about things like you know what am I what are my goals like at the end of say next year you know god willing that we don't have all these lockdowns because it can have an effect on people's goal setting which I think could cause a bit of suffering but I think that we want to think about at the end of next year and in five years time whatever what are the things that I would have liked to have done that are really important to me? What are the things that I want to stand for? And then kind of work backwards in small steps to, to think how you're going to achieve them. And if, you know, and if flexible working is one of those things that you're going to have to have a conversation about, I really recommend um, having a look at the Circle In website because they've just recently done, you know, how to have that conversation. And I think that could, those conversation guides could be super, super useful. No, conversation guides are definitely very useful. So just on that, if you do have a a difficult manager that you're saying, look, I really, you've done the reflection on this is what's important to me. I want to say, say if I'm working four or five days a week, I want to be able to work two days a week from home, hypothetically. How would I start those conversations with my manager if they're a little bit resistant? Yeah, I think that it's all about um, thinking about um, what's in it for me, for your manager. And I think that we all know that if we are in the right frame of mind, we absolutely do our best work. And I think that if they under- if they can just sort of get their head around the fact that, yes, you're juggling things in the background, but what value are you bringing as a result of this? So it has to, I think, be benefit-led, not like, oh, you know, I've got 15 <laughs> loads of washing I need to do. Like, your employer, that's not on their list of KPIs. <laughs> you know, as a mum, it probably is, but maybe not as an employer. So I, I would say get back into the mind and think of, you know, what's in it for me, for your employer, and, and really lead, I guess, with some of those benefits around I won't be commuting, so I'll get online earlier and um, get to my emails. I mean, frankly, I, I get up sometimes at 4.30 in the morning. I'm an absolute morning person. I'm not expecting anybody else to respond to my emails at 4.30 unless they're so inclined, but I've got to smash out like, you know, the responses. I've got to get my workout in. I've got to make sure that I'm set up for the day mentally so that I can do my best work because I will turn up with a really great mindset if I have had time to do those other things. And um, mental health wise, then I'm not going to be taking leave. I think that the burnout potential for people, you know, not having flexible work and not having the ability to be able to have time to themselves is an absolute tip of the iceberg situation at the moment. And we're just going to see over the next few years that people do have significant mental health challenges because they have not been able to stop and they haven't been able to manage their mental health in a, um, in a supportive environment. And I think that's one of the things that employers need to be thinking very seriously about at the moment. I noticed that as well during the lo- big lockdown in Melbourne last year was about the mental health components and people that you would traditionally think are, are coping, but it's not until you actually had those conversations with them, though they weren't doing as well, particularly the, the parents that were homeschooling and trying to juggle everything. And also the, the daily case numbers, I know that I, 
until last year hadn't really suffered too much anxiety but then when I saw the case numbers and you're then unsure if your child can then go to childcare and 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 the panic buying it was my husband said to me he goes this is not a side of you that I've ever seen before and I said I didn't even know that I had this in me but then I experienced it and I was like wow now I'm really tuned into when that happens and when the most recent lockdown happened I was like no Karina just take a breath just stop for a moment and then you can then supermarkets still be open there will still be shops there's still a way of getting around these things but it's it's about really that mindset really evaluation but the mental health component is certainly a huge component and I think also working from home you can fall into a bit of a dark hole but also then being in the office there also can be some anxiety so it's really also managing it from both perspectives and I really think that this is kind of the reason why um, we've started working on this business which is all about you know how do you you know look at that research from people like Adam Fraser he's got 12 years of research around why it's important to have a commute now we're not talking about hey doing the normal commute that you had but how do you still keep that commute because it really does support your mental health hugely and I think that, you know, the, the business model that we've come up with is very much around like it's employee led, it's supported by an employer, but it's actually helping employers to do the right thing. And when you can't work at home, you can leave your home, the place where you rest, where all the stuff's going on and you can leave it and you can actually have that, you know, walk a couple of blocks to a co-working space. You can find somewhere that's local that will give you that boundary between work and home because we all need to switch off. We don't want to be working at, we've all got these probably terrible habits since lockdown started, That you know, since like March last year. It's just like, you know, we all get back online at 11 mm. o'clock at night or after the kids are in bed, we go back to those emails. We never really used to do that so much, I don't think. It's just blurring that whole thing between work and home is not necessarily the answer and having some kind of rhythm to your work so that you can at least go two days into the office or have this kind of complementary model is absolutely what we're looking at at the moment to kind of create this supportive platform because I think a lot of businesses may not have the infrastructure to even it's like a blind side to a lot of employers at the moment they're not recognizing how much mental health I mean mental health will stop people coming into the office because they will be too confronted what is a softer approach that you can take that will give them the choices that they need to keep performing at a really good level. Because we have seen really good productivity. And so the employers are getting return on investment. It's just that on average, we're working for 40 minutes a day extra, which doesn't necessarily mean that we're being more productive. So it's about taking those breaks and having those boundaries and encouraging your colleagues to do things like hey, you can take this call um, while you're doing a walk and just switch your camera off. And we have those conversations at work mm. all the time. Yeah, and so, it's not yeah. a bad thing to be going for a walk and being on a call, but your, your mindset, you're, in, you're tuned into, oh, no, that's bad. I, I've got to do one or the other as mm. opposed to actually potentially doing both. And as you say, those lines are really blurred that you're like oh, that extra time that you would necessarily put into a commute you go, oh, look, I can spend that time on an email or do that little bit of work. And actually, as you say, you're working an extra 40 minutes a day as opposed to that could be 40 minutes you're spending with your family. You could be doing exercise. There's a whole different range of things that you could be doing, a hobby, and to actually help you also with your mental health at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that 
there's a lot that people can do around just kind of setting themselves a bit of a schedule, like even, you know, diarising things like breaks and things like that. I think that you have to sort of respect yourself first, otherwise you will burn out. It's just, you know, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, it's not an if, it's a when. Yeah, exactly. And so you talked about as well earlier about mothers and obviously they're the ones that are traditionally doing the homeschooling and taking on extra mental load, unfortunately, during this time. But in terms of planning for the workforce of the future and and the flexibility and and all the opportunities that really can bring working mothers, because that's really what we want as well, being at home, being able to pick up the kids, if that's something that we're wanting to do, or even fathers, I know, sharing sharing the pickups and drop-offs, my husband and I do share the drop-off and pick up the childcare for our kids. What's something that we can do to prepare for that future of work and and it's also not just people that are working but also when you're on say maternity leave also keeping up to date what advice do you have I think it's really important that we have the conversation that's the one thing we're all like suffering sometimes individually and silently and we're all griping or grappling with what this is actually having the conversation and asking other people and this is the forum that I created in another consulting firm was really around you know a parents forum to normalize those conversations and to make people feel like, hey, I'm not alone. And furthermore, I'm actually able to listen to this person's story and understand what I can take out of that and what are the tools that I could use or the conversations I could be having. So I think it's absolutely creating a forum in workplaces for the parents and leading, you know, like again, it comes back to this whole leadership side of things. If you've got somebody who's in a leadership role or, you know, somebody who whose story you can tell that will help people to realise, hey, if the only thing they realise is I'm not alone, they will become more connected to the community within the workplace. So I think that, yeah, have the conversation, tell the story. So if you're on parental leave and you're a, a male, you know, and you know that your organisation is not that forward thinking and that, talk about it. Absolutely talk about it. Start to normalise things. Yeah. And we, we, we see that all the time too. People, I find it really funny, funny now when someone was saying the other day, oh, you know, um, even within, you know, more progressive workplaces, someone's like, oh, such and such was talking about their male parental leave and stuff. And I was like, oh, good on them. They actually wrote it down because I think you've got to, you've got to be brave enough to, to stand by. It. And it sounds so silly because, you know, we all should have the opportunity, especially as dads to connect with our children and, you know, have the same opportunities as parents do in other organisations. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because it's that that belief in that mindset if you take a little bit of period away is what you said earlier around, oh, you're going to career going to take a back step. Mm. But I've actually heard of a variety of different situations and scenarios at the moment where people are being on maternity leave or even on parental leave, sorry, dad leave, where they've actually been given a promotion. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a back step, if anything. Exactly. Unfortunately, there are situations where they do go back but and have a take a back seat, but unfortunately not. So are there anything else that women can do just from preparing their mindset, their outlook, their resumes and employability, that's the word I was looking for, around preparing for the future of work? Look, I think that given that we have such a, I guess, you know, the sort of the lockdown and being away from the office, you're no longer going to be having those kind of water cooler conversations and people can become, if you're not in a leadership role or you're somebody who's looking to progress your career, 
you can become largely invisible. So again, I, I get I have this conversation with a lot of people. They sort of talk about, you know, oh, I, I said, oh, I think you're doing amazing work. And then when I go to your LinkedIn profile, there's either like no photo or you're not representing yourself in the best way. There's a lot of conversations that you can have in the online space and a lot of things that you can do specifically on platforms like LinkedIn where you can really promote um, the best version of yourself, you know, and, and promote like what your personal brand is. And I think, you know, I'm looking at um, people who have got sort of imposter syndrome, you know, where they've, sort of think oh well you know who am I to do this well who are you not to do it you know like if nobody else has got the same I guess mindset or understanding of a, of a topic that you do I mean just have the have the conversation and and just push push the point of view out there and say what does everybody else think about this I mean none of us are perfect we don't all know the answers and especially now where you know there's so many parts of of our workplaces, our lives that are um, that are emerging in a different direction. Let's like explore this stuff. Let's like be curious enough, be brave enough to to try something out. So yeah, I definitely encourage people to spend time on their LinkedIn profiles. Think about you know, is this the career that I want to be even? Because you know, I'm getting approached by a lot of people at the moment doing some coaching around you know maybe this is the time that you pivot from you know working in procurement to you know moving into a technology role or something you know like there's a lot of people considering that stuff now and I think it's it's all due, due to the reflections that we've gone through yeah and I think it's so true that it's about showing up the best version of yourself online and that employability and and you're right you don't necessarily have to be wedded to that one organization for life that one role forever really in this day and time and I think also with the future of work doesn't exist you know we have multiple career changes throughout the years and things. I think even for myself, I'm on to about my fifth or sixth at the moment uh, of different careers. And I think it's also that mindset that we can work for us, you know, work for what you want to work for and have your best version of yourself and your life. And not necessarily, it has to be employer led. It can be employee. I think I recently, I did a podcast with someone and, and Sarah uh, said that it's about you're the CEO of your life and all your employers actually work for you. And it really reframed my thinking around well, it's actually, yeah, you don't, they work, obviously you work for the employer, but you need to work for you and do what's best for you. And I think that comes back to, you know, something I always say to people is people don't come to work for the money. I mean, you know, there's, there's obviously a, a base level survival thing for, for some people, but at the end of the day, people want meaningful relationships in their lives. They want values alignment. They want to feel like they're making a difference. They want to feel like what they do makes an impact. And I think that the, this environment makes it, it tougher in some ways, but then we've just got to pivot a little bit and think differently about how could I do that, but do it in a way that's maybe in the online space or who can I connect with? How can I create a community of people that are you know, in the same kind of movement as I am or who believe in the same types of things that I do. Yeah, so I really encourage people to, you know, LinkedIn, I think, is is massively underrated. I, mm. I think people are still, like, using the funniest photos. I'm like, that is, that is yeah. not professional. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, even the basic things, you know, like, describe what you really care about. Look at jobs or careers or people that you aspire to and think about, you know, how could I go from where I am to to get to get to there yeah where am I now where do I want to be and how am I going to go along that path and what's the journey to get there and 
and really make the future of work and the workplace flexibility and everything around that work for you. As you say, it's, uh, yeah, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be dreaming about work, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, mind you, I, I find that I am a, I am a bit of a workaholic and I, do, I, I just don't, I don't think of it as work as such because the whole thing is for me, it's about thinking about, you know, what could another business model be for that? What, it's a constant curiosity about how could you do that differently and how can we think differently about this? It's, you know, looking at other examples and reading, I find helps me think about, okay, well, that gives me a different perspective on this one problem I've been trying to solve and it gets you kind of going in a different direction. So yeah, it's just an ever evolving thing for me. I just, I never want to stop learning. That's what my, what my lifelong learning yeah. <laughs> love of learning is all about <laughs> yes I think it's also you, you're keeping moving forward when you're learning I think it's so important it, you just learn new things and yeah it's exciting and it keeps also I think you help you motivated uh, in all walks of your life as well and now before we finish up are there any other some key learnings or key actions relating to the future of work that you can give I think that just recognize that we don't know all the answers. I think yeah. it's, it really is coming back to, you know, the old frameworks that we use, even in innovation where it's like, what if we did this and who would want to do this? And, you know, how do we, how do we test it? You know, how do we test it with, with people and how do we know that the data that comes back? And it's quite, it's quite scientific, but it's also at a very rough level. It's just about giving something a go and I guess pushing out a point of view and then thinking, oh, well, the feedback we got was this. So let's refine that in a slightly di different direction because it actually turned out that wasn't solving the problem. And then iterating. And I think that's the whole thing about, you know, what we were just saying about being a lifelong learner. It's like, let's try something and think, okay, did that work? Did it not work? And try to figure out who we need the feedback from and how we're going to that's the thing you will you'll just learn from feedback and from listening whether something was effective or not yeah test and learn test and learn mm. and so Fiona how do you fill your cup when you're not in isolation <laughs> or even in isolation what do you do my secret sauce I've got to say is what I've discovered just prior to lockdown in 2020 <laughs> was kettle fit I am someone who I love to work out and I like weights. And so I just love, there's nothing more that I love than getting up for, for six o'clock and smashing out a kettle fit workout. I find it so motivating. We've been able to still do them online during the lockdowns. So it's been really good. It just gets me in a really good mental space because there's nothing else. You can't think about anything else when you're doing that type of exercise or you'll end up with a kettle bell in yeah. the head. <laughs> Yeah, really good strength, really good, probably offsets lots of that extra glasses of wine that I that I have when I'm in lockdown. <laughs> and you certainly do just some, somehow bring out those wine and you're like, oh, where did this come from? Yeah, that's right. And you're like, it's lunchtime, but is it too early for wine? And you're like, yeah, yeah definitely can't do that. It will slow me down. But you, yeah, and then, and then it kind of brings you back to your health. And if you're investing in your health, you tend to make better choices anyway. Oh, so true. So true. And so finally, how can people connect with you, Fiona? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very happy to, to help people. People message me quite often and say, you know, I'm thinking about changing careers and help me with that. Or you can look up 32.co, which is our webpage where we're starting to build out, you know, this, this opportunity to be able to work from anywhere and be supported by your employer. So that's our big experiment for the future of work is, is really trialing out 
you know how this can work and and really looking for um, customer feedback on that too from employees and employers on how we can be supportive and you know and keep having this conversation about diversity and inclusion because we need perspectives at work you know we need the opportunity to to really broaden out you know the perspectives we don't want just one type of person in the in the in our workforce we need different challenging perspectives yes and that's certainly everyone brings something to the table and it's so important well thank you so much Fiona for today's chat I've really got so much out of it around the future of work and how it's really evolving and changing and definitely around workplace flexibility and wish you all the best for your future endeavours particularly with 3.2 and thank you so much for today's chat thank you Karina and keep up the great work that you're doing too that really does help people in the lockdown situation so thank you so much my pleasure have fun Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. I'll be giving a shout out to select people that do so. So stay listening and you might be one of them. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.